Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring Bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about sauerkraut. Indeed. And this is one I have very, very little experience with. Huh. Um, but I feel like one of the ideas behind this, uh, when I was a, the editor-producer for our fellow podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, they did an episode on what would last longer, cockroaches or sauerkraut. <laughs> It was like an apocalypse. Like, what will you find on your shelf in the apocalypse? Are cockroaches still around? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, was the sauerkraut also still around? Yes. I think the sauerkraut actually won. Wow. Oof. Gosh. Okay. I guess. go back and find this episode, but yeah, I think so. It's almost like a chicken or the egg thing because, I mean, at a certain point, the cockroaches need food and the sauerkraut is food, but I don't know. How do they get into the sauerkraut? Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they... the cockroaches are like those cockroaches from the movie Mimic. I don't know if you saw that classic <laughs> I film. I actually have managed to not see it somehow, and I'm still surprised by that every day. Every day. I also get it mixed up with species. Yes, yes. I I do too, and I don't. I haven't seen species, but I don't think they're very similar. I, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think they are. No. Um. That's that's okay though. Uh. Yeah. I um. I despite my lack of experience there, I I would say that I have. Uh. Oh man. I I, I there's a lot of sauerkraut in my house growing up. It is the way that I was taught to eat a hot dog by my Jersey Jewish father. 
is that it is on a toasted bun and there is warm sauerkraut and there is mustard, like preferably like like brown mustard involved, like brown spicy mustard. But And that is the only way to eat a hot dog. That's the one way to do it. And all other ways are wrong. And that's okay if you want to be wrong. I, this is This is his perception, not mine. I have since... Uh, since I got out into the world on my own, opened opened up to other hot dog possibilities, but that is what I came to understand growing up. I love it. It's so specific. It's very specific. <laughs> I've never had, like, I think I've had sauerkraut maybe three or four times. I've never oh, wow. had it warm. Oh, I'm sure you've had it warm on a sandwich, like on a Reuben or something like that. Have you never I've had a Reuben? I've had a Reuben. No. Annie Reese. <laughs> Oh my, okay, all right, I am, okay. We were discussing this right before we started recording. Whenever this, we get to the end of the tunnel and we can finally be together in person, we're going to have a savor feast of all the foods, the random foods that come up. Yeah. Uh, That can be one of them. Definitely, definitely. Uh, We'll have to go to uh, General Mir um, here here in Atlanta. They they do... They do some. They do some good deli type stuff. Um, uh, but uh, okay, all right. We we also wanted to talk about sauerkraut um, because it's a simple home cooking project, and uh, fermented goods last a long time. I've seen a lot of friends uh, expressing interest in ferment projects at home uh, since you know we're we're all we're all still in isolation right now. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll keep sending. A lot of you have been sending in your food projects. Please keep doing that if you do sauerkraut. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, let us know. But okay, let's get to our question. All right. Sauerkraut. What is it? Well, uh, sauerkraut is shredded cabbage that has been purposefully made to go deliciously, stably off. Uh, meaning that it's shredded cabbage that's been uh, preserved and flavored using fermentation. Meaning we're talking about bacteria poop. Woo! Bacteria poop. So, uh, to, to understand w- what sauerkraut is, uh, let's walk through how you make it. And at its simplest, all you need to make sauerkraut is cabbage and salt and a container to put it in. And uh, when you uh, when you put the salt and the cabbage in there, it, it helps to shred the cabbage, maybe smoosh it a little bit to get some of the water out of the salt. Of course, will help draw water out too. Um, or maybe even add a little bit of water to, to cover it because you want the cabbage to be submerged. More on that in a second. It also uh, helps if the container is airtight because during the course of um, your making sauerkraut, you're really employing two different kinds of helpful bacteria that are already present on the cabbage to make it for you. Um, and, and you're trying to exclude other bacteria from the mix. So, so submerging the cabbage and uh, getting an airtight container are going to help you help them do that. Okay, and uh, why, why bacteria? Well, bacteria are not always bad. Most of them are harmless, and some of them are absolute powerhouses. And this is only part of why you should only use antibacterial soap products if you're either, like, immunosuppressed or have otherwise been instructed to do so by a doctor. Slightly separate issue, but oh, most of us don't need it. Anyway, okay, uh, but bacteria, yes. Um, uh, so, so there's there's a fine line between fermenting and rotting. And 
In general, when we say that food is rotten, what we mean is that microorganisms have started eating that food before we got a chance to. And those microorganisms created unpleasant textures or flavors or even harmful compounds or like maybe those microorganisms would make you sick if you consumed them. Uh, But when a food is fermented, we mean that microorganisms have started eating it and created pleasant textures and flavors, and and even compounds that prevent those harmful microorganisms from growing in it. So, those those two kinds of helpful bacteria that I mentioned um, that are going to help you make your sauerkraut, the, the first type help out by using up the oxygen in the jar, which lots of bad germs need to grow, and replacing it with carbon dioxide, which lots of bad germs cannot use. So, yeah, submerging the cabbage, sealing the jar— Oxygen is ungood during fermentation. These things help get it out of there. Um, Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately, by using up the oxygen in the jar, that makes the jar inhospitable to these first kind of helpful bacteria. But fortunately for us, it makes it perfect for lactic acid bacteria to thrive. And you're going to get a couple different species of lactic acid bacteria going during your ferment, the the first are going to produce both lactic and acetic acids, which are going to make the product too acidic for themselves. Um, So species of lactobacillus take over, um, and those are going to eat up all of the remaining sugars in the cabbage and excrete even more lactic acid um, until your sauerkraut is just deliciously tart and also completely inhospitable to either themselves or, or bad microorganisms. So at this point, Your sauerkraut is ready um, and will last a good long time kept in a fridge. Um, Everything up until this point can can be done at room temperature. Um, But but yeah, uh, so the finished sauerkraut will be tart and vegetal and briny and like tender, but with a good crunch. Mm. Mm, That does Mm. sound good. (laughs) Um, And I will say that some of what I've said here is bound to be controversial in what? some in some home <laughs> ferment circles, some folks swear by open air ferments. Um, all I'm saying is that scientifically speaking, sealed sauerkraut is safer and more predictable. But we can't tell you what to do. No, you mm-hmm. do what you want. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, we're here for the laughs, <laughs> in the educational <laughs> entertainment. Yeah, uh, but not in the business of telling you <laughs> no. what to do. No, and even if we were, there, there's no way that we could legally bind you to listen Mm-mm. to us. So no, and thank Indeed. heavens for that. <laughs> yes. I do love um, through you, Lauren. I have been exposed to some of the fermentation community in Atlanta, and I have really enjoyed like these deep conversations about the best ways to ferments. Uh, it's spectacular. spectacular. It's. I mean, it's it's a very personal thing because it's like it's like a pet, as we also have discussed yeah. on here before. Like you know, you're you are you are growing your own colony of helpful bacteria that you are manipulating in particular ways to get a particular type of product. And so, so you know, what works in your home might also be totally different than what works in anyone else's home. Um, it's one of the wonderful things about it. Love it. I love it. Yes, yes, me too. Uh, but yeah, so sauerkraut. Um, I've always had it very finely shredded, like grated, really, but uh, it can be done thicker or even as whole heads of cabbage that can later be chopped up. You can add spices in there. Uh, caraway seed is maybe the most traditional, but anything from like mustard seed to juniper berries to celery seed are also common. 
And you can add other uh, vegetable or herbs in there for color or flavor, like um, onion or dill or beets or carrots. Um, personally, I feel like that's like getting a little bit away from the heart of sauerkraut. I like my <laughs> sauerkraut to remain pure. But uh, mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> again, you do you, though. Um, and yeah, uh, this stuff is used as a—it can be a side dish or a condiment or an ingredient in other dishes— can be served warm or cold or room temperature for that matter. A common warm side dish uh, involves uh, like a heavy amount of sauerkraut cooked up with a little bit of sliced apple and onion and some chopped bacon. Ooh. It's good. Good stuff. It does sound good. Mm -hmm. As we said, integral part of the Reuben, um, which is a sandwich for people like me who might be a bit sheltered in this region. We also, I just went on a very brief internet rabbit hole about the Rachel, which apparently is a version made with roast turkey. And maybe the name comes from an 1871 song called Reuben and Rachel. Future episode, because I yeah. really wanted to learn more and see if that's true. Absolutely. But, yes. Um, sometimes, as you said, Lauren, toppings on hot dogs, sauerkraut soup. Pork and sauerkraut is a popular New Year's good luck meal in some parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I dated a guy with family from Pennsylvania who did a pork roast in sauerkraut for New Year's Day. Um, in general, sauerkraut does go really well with, like, rich, fatty uh, meat and especially pork products. It cuts the fat and adds this, like, kind of earthy depth to it. Um, I've also had a Chinese preparation of a lightly pickled cabbage stir-fried with pork sausage and glass noodles. Mm. Oh, my gosh. So good. Um, that was downstairs at the at the Sichuan place. I'm, oh, I, but, yeah. they, but it's not on the menu anymore, and I'm really <gasps> mad about it. Anyway, um, sauerkraut's also great in um, lots of other stir-fries, stews, casseroles. Um, It can be a great ingredient in preparations of uh, ground meat, like meatballs, um, to add, like, flavor and moisture. And speaking of... Sauerkraut cake. (laughs) Okay, okay, this is not a cake that is flavored to taste like sauerkraut. What? Um, How misleading. (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is a uh, a sweet, um, typically chocolate cake um, that uses drained sauerkraut as like a mix-in ingredient. Like you'd think it was like a nice soft, like shredded coconut. If you if you didn't know what it was, wow. um, it just adds like, like some texture and a depth of flavor, like just a little bit of tart to kind of balance the the sweet and bitter of the chocolate. Um, I've seen recipes for for peanut butter sauerkraut oh. cakes. Oh, so I had to sit back. No, <laughs> I had to sit back at that. <laughs> Oh, peanut butter cake. Man, that sounds good. <laughs> oh, all right. We'll, I'll we'll, we'll add that, that later. We'll add that to the menu. Of yes. our, oh, my gosh, please, yes. Of our post, uh, post-isolation post extravaganza. <laughs> okay, I'm thrilled. Yes, all right. Uh, but before you put sauerkraut into something like a cake, uh-huh. what about the nutrition? <laughs> Uh, outside of cake formats, uh, sauerkraut is pretty good for you. It's high in fiber, has lots of vitamins and minerals, especially uh, vitamin C and K, uh, plus a wee punch of protein. It's very low in fat and carbohydrates, so it can be a great way to add flavor to a meal without adding a lot of calories. Um, but that does also mean that, you know, it needs to be paired with, like, fats and proteins to help keep you going. Will help fill you up, won't help keep you going. Um, and, yeah, um, it is it is high in sodium um, because— that's one of the two ingredients. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so if that's the thing that you're watching out for, watch out for it. Everybody hydrate. Hydration is great. It very much is. 
When it comes to numbers, there's not too many sauerkraut numbers, which (laughs) might surprise you. I don't know. Germany is definitely the country most closely associated with the dish. Uh, Especially by Americans, but it is a, a, a widespread dish throughout Central and Eastern Europe. Consumption of sauerkraut in Germany is declining, though. The average per capita consumption in that country is about 2.6 pounds. 40 years ago, it was about 4.4 pounds. Meanwhile, in France, that number is 3.7 pounds. So, yeah, I think some Americans would be surprised to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, According to a website I found called ilovepickles.org. Oh, Um, my gosh. Wait. (laughs) Let me see. Let let me let that sink in for a second. (laughs) I love pickles.org. Yeah, um, according to them, Americans eat about one and a half pounds of sauerkraut per year. But I would, well, A, A, they didn't cite any sources, so I have no idea if this is an accurate number or not. And if it is accurate, I would strongly suspect that that poundage is is concentrated in in certain, like, Eastern European immigrant-related areas. Um, because, yeah, like you you saying, like, you've had it, like, maybe four times in your life. Uh, producer Andrew, before we started rolling, um, was saying that he's not sure if he's ever had it. Uh, I've definitely had years where I've eaten more sauerkraut than that, so. I wonder, too, like, if we're thinking about the overlap of how they possibly got this data, I would suspect that people who peruse... I love pickles.org <laughs> might also love sauerkraut. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just theory, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah. There are market reports about sauerkraut out there, but um, these things are very expensive. I couldn't, I couldn't access them without paying thousands of dollars, so I just didn't. Um, but, uh, but I mean, you know, especially as uh, fermented foods and home fermentation products get more popular here in the United States, uh, there there is a growing market for things like sauerkraut. Yes, agreed. One of the things that came up when we were researching this is it is very closely related to kimchi. And we, oh, yeah. as we discussed in our kimchi episode, there has been that rise in kimchi. And I would not be surprised if sauerkraut started experiencing something similar. There is an annual Ohio sauerkraut festival in Waynesville, Ohio. Sounds like a thing of beauty. It does. And there is a Guinness record um, for the largest serving of sauerkraut. That's from the UK from 2018 for a 792.8-pound cauldron of sauerkraut. Um, Oh, a cauldron. A cauldron, yeah, yeah, which is about uh, 359.6 kilos. So... It was created by uh, by two home fermentation aficionados, um, uh, fans who who called the venture to make this Guinness record winning cauldron of sauerkraut. They call it um, Sauerkrautathon, twenty eighteen. <laughs> it involved over a hundred volunteers. Um, there were like speakers at the event, <laughs> like it was wow. a whole thing. Um, it seemed delightful. Look, if you've got a cauldron of sauerkraut, it better be a whole thing, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm angry I haven't heard about this until now. It should have been a bigger thing. <laughs> right, right. There's all these lovely photos from the event of like family, like kids, like helping like 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 smoosh down the sour, smoosh down the cabbage. And uh, mm-hmm. it seems like great fun. It does. It does. I love those kinds of things. All the people coming together to yeah. just have this kind of social experience making something. That's great. Yeah. We do have some history for you. Oh, we do. Uh, But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm-hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring Bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So sauerkraut, or the precursor of it, originated 2,000 years ago in China, or that's what historians think. Laborers working on the Great Wall of China ate shredded cabbage fermented in rice wine, a practice that people believe originally got started as a way to preserve cabbage through the winter. Mm Mm-hmm. Some sources speculate that 1,000 years after that, Genghis Khan brought fermented shredded cabbage over to Europe. I couldn't really find that 
uh, in too many places, but it wasn't enough that I'll mention it. In the 15th century, Germans did away with the wine, instead drawing out the liquid in the cabbage with salt, arriving at a more modern idea of sauerkraut. And it was a popular food for sailors because it didn't require refrigeration and was believed to prevent scurvy. And they were right. Uh, Yeah. We've discussed this in several episodes, but to reiterate, scurvy was devastating, killing millions and in a really miserable way. So anything that could prevent that was life-saving. And I really appreciated all the headlines I found of like, that time sauerkraut saved millions. You know? <laughs> um, in 1768, Captain James Cook set sail with four foods to experiment with when it came to scurvy prevention, including 7,860 pounds of sauerkraut, or as it was spelled in the, the log, sour, S-O-U-R, kraut, K-R-O-U-T-T. So that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, gosh. Huh. But the results were good. They, they were yeah. pretty, yeah, pretty positive. Good, like. good, good source of vitamin C. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In Eastern Europe, families would prepare barrels of sauerkraut to get through the winter, sometimes fermenting up to 300 heads of cabbage, sometimes adding spices, curry seeds, and other vegetables and or wine. Toward the end of the 1800s, Europeans would place shredded cabbage in a crock. And for those without a shredding tool, all was not lost. (laughs) Uh, Enterprising peddlers went door to door offering to shred cabbage for a small price. Huh. Can you only imagine, like, you get a knock on your door at somebody with— because these tools look kind of like um, kind of hook knife things. uh And he's Uh like— Shall I shred your cabbage for yes. you? <laughs> do, do you have cabbage to shred here? <laughs> this is a cabbage shredding house. <laughs> for some reason, I'm envisioning the uh, merchant from Resident Evil 4. <laughs> what cabbage do you need shredding? Anyway, that's a character uh, I'm going to hold in my head for yeah. D&D purposes. Because oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I'm, thing. well, I'm looking forward to that guy. <laughs> He's going to be a troublemaker, I'm going to warn you. But uh, I Do you have characters who aren't troublemakers that you bring into TNT? I think <laughs> there's an argument for maybe the pineapple-looking gnome. Uh, maybe. Ananas, okay, fair point. Uh, or, or Ananas the gnome, you, you're right, is, is a very nice gnome. I'm, yes. I'm sorry, I did not mean to sully her name. Uh, yes. Apology accepted, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) During the 18th and 19th century, a large number of Germans migrated to the United States, about 5 million. By the beginning of the 1900s, Germans were the largest immigrant group in the country, and they introduced sauerkraut to the United States. At first, the dish stayed largely in German communities, but it didn't take too long for the word to get out and for sauerkraut to spread across the United States. In Fremont, Ohio, in 1905, several sauerkraut manufacturers came together under Alan Sessman to create the Fremont Company, which, if you if you don't know, is a pretty big name in sauerkraut, like grocery store sauerkraut that you can buy. Hmm. During World War One, American and British soldiers began referring to German soldiers as krauts, and eventually its usage broadened to refer to all Germans. Um, and this is also the time when Americans began calling sauerkraut liberty cabbage. Uh, yeah, yeah. By association, the term sauerkraut was 
kind of just, uh, just the, the food and the term and everything was looked down upon. It was a very derogatory slur. Um, still sometimes used. Fun, fun times. Fun times with bias. Yes, yes. And what episode did we talk about that in? It was it was like not hamburger, but it was close. Oh, Salisbury steak. That's what it was. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We did talk about this before. Um, and yeah, this was just one thing among a wave of fanatical anti-German sentiment that swept across the U.S. during World War One. German language books were burned. Some German-Americans were forced to publicly kiss the American flag. Some were beaten. Not good. <sighs> No, um, and it and it led to a a downturn in 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 sauerkraut consumption for decades. From 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 what I read, uh, it, it really only in the past couple of decades, um, like since the turn of the century, has started bouncing back in America to previous uh, numbers of consumption. Yeah, and the the Liberty Cabbage thing that was grocers and producers calling for that because people just weren't buying it, and they thought. You know, if we change the name, maybe people will purchase it. They weren't the only ones, but they, they were leading yeah, the, yeah. the push. Um, yeah. All right, but pivoting away from that, according to NPR in the 1960s, chocolate sauerkraut cake was a popular April Fool's food. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, Lauren. I didn't know April Fool's food was a category of food. But maybe, maybe it was in the 60s. Maybe we're missing, maybe from having been born in these are modern times, we have missed out on an entire genre of joke food. Is this <laughs> true? Food. Does anyone know about this? I feel oh. like you would have thrived as, I mean, in many ways, both of us would completely fail at being 60s housewives. But, <laughs> yes. um, but like you would have thrown an amazing party with oh. April Fool's Foods. Yes, it, I but mean, it would you be still the could. fun kind, you well, know. Cho- <laughs> well, like chocolate I, sauerkraut cake. Like, it's it's not yeah. a bad thing. It's just like, ooh, surprise, it has sauerkraut in it. You wouldn't have expected that, lols. Yeah, that, I assume that's why it was an April Foods cake, because by all accounts, it tasted great. So yeah. it's just the name, I suppose. I, I mean, I guess if you think of, like, joke foods and you kind of an aspect level of putting the, your stapler <laughs> in the jello. Uh, I wouldn't do things like that, but if, please write in and let us know if this is something we've missed out on. Yeah, we need to know. <laughs> Gosh. We very much savor needs to know. <laughs> um, that's uh, about what we have to say on sauerkraut. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we do have a little bit more for you, but uh, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) 
Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia, and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a saver team trip together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go. And I'm hungry. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Like fermentation bubbles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sauerkraut is a tricky one. <laughs> uh, especially hard for me because I don't remember what it tastes like. No. Uh, but I tried. I gave it a, the old college. You did. Attempt. You did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Josh wrote, ladies, thank you both for such a great podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's become something I look forward to every week, though I have to say I've developed a love-hate relationship with Savor during quarantine because it just makes me hungry for food I can't get. We understand. <laughs> um, oh, well, I guess that just means more food adventuring when things get back to normal. Now, for the mystery. My mom is Latina, and in her family, there's been a long-held tradition of making chicken mole on special occasions. It's a sort of Mexican gravy that's served with rice and tortillas. But for some weird reason, the family recipe uses 
peanut butter as one of the ingredients. I spent hours researching traditional Mexican mole. All seem to involve random things like chocolate and chiles, but definitely not peanut butter. Anyway, just thought you might come across an answer in all of your travels, especially considering how much Annie loves peanut butter. I have never heard of this, but I'm into it. I think it'd be good. Uh, yeah. I mean, mole with all kinds of, or I mean, like, it's a fairly simple recipe from what I understand. Uh, I mean, cocoa is usually involved, right? But yeah, peanut butter, huh? If any listeners can help solve this mystery, we call upon you. We're flashing the savor. Yeah, light in the sky. Or we, or we just need to do a need to do a mole episode. Oh huh. yeah! All right, we oh. could also that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> both, both. <laughs> uh, Nicole wrote, "I wanted to write in about the Great Pittsburgh Pierogi Race and some of their memorable hijinks." My family had season tickets to the Pirates for years and supported them even during the darkest times. There were many times when Jalapeno Hannah used her purse to gain an edge or fend off a meddling pirate parrot. A few years ago, I was watching the game from college in July. I went to a college with an atypical calendar, and they showed a highlight of the pierogi race in which Cheese Chester was injured and had to be carted off of the field. It was great to listen to the announcers bring it up when there was a lull in the last few innings. The uh, Cheese Chester antics did not stop there. Potato Pete took his spot in the races because only four pierogi race at a time, and Pete knocked Chester down and stole his crutch when he was on the sidelines. Oh! Oh! If I remember correctly, they had a whole story about Chester's recovery at the Altoona Curve. The Pirates uh, AAA affiliate in uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. He even raced in the Great American Bagel Race. What? It was a really silly sidebar to normal baseball, but helped the homesickness. Also, the curve is home of another food-slash-animal-based mascot, Al the Tuna. Get it? Al Tuna? Mm, Oh, yeah. Corny Mm -hmm. but endearing. Agreed. (laughs) All of that is great. Yes. All of that's great. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, have we talked about the Great American Bagel Race? Is that a thing that I've managed to forget about? I would be shocked if we talked about it and forgotten it. Uh, and it, that, it's an outrage. We, I can't believe. Yeah. If we have forgotten about it, I am outraged for us and at us. Both. <laughs> Both? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then if we just haven't talked about it, still outrage. So it's just a yeah. simmering outrage when it comes to what I hope is bagels racing. Yeah, if we did a whole episode on bagels and we somehow didn't uncover that in our research, then, you know, we have we have some splaining to do. We do. I mean, you you were, you had a lot of strong opinions in that episode. <laughs> it was a very emotional episode for you. It was. It's possible that... Uh, we you had bigger things on your mind. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, I try to be I, I try to be an unbiased journalist. <laughs> I don't. I don't at all. That's not <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the opinions are too strong, you know. You know, you know, I do what I can. We're all we're all we're all just doing what we can. We are. We are. And I am loving all of the listeners sending in what you are up to during this quarantine. Yes. So Thanks to both of them for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. 
We're also on social media. You can find us on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app or Apple Podcasts or just, you know, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope lots more good things are coming your way. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Olay's new indulgent moisture body wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.